Hello and welcome to what is technically episode 55 of the Wildcast. However, you probably haven't heard episode 54, hence your orderly visible confusion I can hear through the through the uh, from all our listeners right now. Um, Tom, firstly, before we start explaining some things, how are you? I am good. I am good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been weird in terms of trying to record an episode recently (laughs) yeah weird is is a good way of putting it um where do we start right episode 53 was recorded in in your flat in my kitchen yeah yeah in your kitchen that was the the last episode we publicly released episode 54 we spent uh, a good hour last week talking to each other about the world of british hockey and the wildcats and everything up, down, in the middle, and around the and around, around the corner, and yeah, the recording completely disappeared, and I have no idea. I've tried to find it, tried to get it back. It's lost in the internet somewhere, <laughs> and for whatever reason, I can't find it, or at least I can't find all of it. I can find about a third of it. Um, so that was last week's mishap. I hope everyone can listen to this episode, okay? Please tweet so, us at this point if you're still listening. So is this still episode 54? I, I don't know. I feel like... And a half? What are we calling it? <laughs> I feel like we just, we pretend 54 didn't happen and we just go straight to 55. Fair enough. It's going to be weird on, a, on Spotify and other platforms, whichever one you listen to them, to yep. them on. And if by some miracle we ever do get 54, I will backdate it. So if you do listen to this in two or three weeks time and by some miracle there's an episode 54 go listen to it it was quite good um yeah that's kind of where we are really um so apologies for all our very loyal listeners for it not having a episode for a while we have still been here we have been trying to get something out um but hey that's life yeah it is what it is Lots of, ha- lots of things have happened since we last actually published an episode i mean the last time we published an episode the wildcats hadn't conceded a competitive goal yeah. And now things have changed. <laughs> we're, we're conceding those goals. Scoring some as well. We are scoring some. We have conceded yeah. goals since. Yep, this is very true. Um, we're not going to recover the games we talked about last week because we literally will be here for hours. Yeah. I, mean, um, I think we could do it very quickly. We could do it very quickly. Basingstoke, Wildcats, not so good. Basingstoke, very good. And then the Raiders weekend, Wildcats, professional. I think that really summarises in about 15 seconds our half an hour discussion from last week. Yeah, it, it, it literally does. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that was kind of those the last two weeks going into this weekend. Um, we're going to talk about the Peterborough game and I think then we're going to just spend five, ten minutes just discussing where the Cats are as a whole as we kind of approach the October half term part of the the National League, I think. Yeah. Um, which we'll probably then touch on little bits from the Basingstoke and Raiders weekend as well, but we're not going to go into great depths about them. Yeah. Because, well, Tom and I spoke about it last week, even if no one has been able to hear it. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I can tr- I, I promise it was a really good discussion and, you know, yeah, it's just a shame, but yeah. Yeah, it was the, um, you know, do you know, it was the best discussion we've ever had, I think. <laughs> People are really missing out. Yeah. Um, right. Let's jump back into this weekend. And we've only got one game to talk about. 
So, Swindon versus Peterborough, Saturday night at the Link Centre. Didn't go that well, did it? No, and I mean, it's funny because I was going to leave this this episode with, you know, it was kind of like we discussed Peterborough would be, but you didn't hear what Peterborough would be because, like I say, the episode's missing. But anyway... Stop making these jokes, I promise. Yeah, yeah. No, um, so yeah, it wasn't the best. It was a very... It's what you've we've cut. I think it's what people have come to expect in terms of a how I. If we talk about Peterborough for a moment, it's with what we've come to expect from a Slava Kudelkov Peterborough side over the years. You know, they were very extremely organised. They took their chances when they got them, particularly in that first period. I think they had seven shots and scored three goals. You know, they took their chances really well. And then in that third period, when they got they scored a. You know, they'd been under pressure in the second. We got a goal back. We maybe could have tied the game. We had some really good chances in that second period. And then that third period, they got the early goal, which was something really crucial. And it was a really nice goal, actually, that one from Austin Mitchell King. But after that, they closed the game down. I think there was 11 shots between the two teams in that third period. And it was, they, they just made it so it was almost impossible for the Cats to make that comeback. And... Yeah, it was it was everything you'd expect from a Kudukov team. And I know I know their style of hockey gets kind of there's differing opinions on how they play and what style of hockey they've got, but ultimately their their job is to win hockey games. You know, Slava Kudukov does not set up his team to, you know, entertain Wildcat fans. He sets up his team to come in, do the job and take two points back to Peterborough, and that's exactly what he did. And and I, I, I think they look an improved outfit from last year. Obviously, they had a couple of guys who missed the long periods last year of injury. They were back. They've added an entire new second line, which looked really good, um, with Mitchell King, Sladkowski, and the Mouse Ellis. And, yeah, I think they're going to be a, I wouldn't say a surprise outfit this year, because I think people should never underestimate Peterborough. But I think maybe because they didn't have the best year last year, people have kind of forgotten that this is a side that's always going to be competing. And I think they're going to be perhaps a little bit higher than people might have predicted come the end yeah, of the season. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think last year it's not a criticism to say they underachieved. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think this year, this year they're going to they're going to achieve what I think they probably should achieve. Yeah, I think they'll be in that kind of... I think they'll be in that. I don't necessarily know if they'll be title contenders, but they'll certainly be, I think, in that top four conversation, top four, top five conversation by the end of the year. And yeah, I think they're going to be what well, they've shown so far. They're one of the better teams around. They've, they've won a lot of games already. So yeah, yeah they're going to be a tough and it team was, to beat. Like you said, it was a very Slava kind of game. You got that. I wouldn't say early, they obviously did get the early lead, but they didn't kind of go four or five goals up and then sit on it. But they they took those chances in the first period and then they controlled the rest of the night, which is kind yeah. of how Slava plays. Yeah, like I said, we had some... The second period was probably our best period of the night. We had some... We had some chances. We obviously took, got, you know, a goal in that period and, you know, I think we all came out of that second period thinking we maybe could have got an equaliser in there as well. We'd had a... You know, we'd, we were probably the more... The more kind of busy team in that period in terms of creating chances and ultimately, you know, didn't get, didn't, you know, couldn't find a way past Jordan Marr for the second goal, for, sorry, the third, for a third goal or second in that period. Um, and yeah, then obviously that, the start of that third period was really big and Peterborough getting the early goal really kind of took the steam out of our momentum and kind of 
really allowed them to control the game. And then when they got the fifth, it was really just game over. Um, you know, and that fifth came from a, you know, again a defensive a defensive setup. They 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 set up defensively. They 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 got the break. They got the you know they broke down the attack. They went down the other end two on one and put the puck away. So yeah, it was really you know a controlled performance from Peter. But um, I don't think I don't think we were terrible. I don't think we were necessarily as scrappy as we were against Basingstoke. But equally, particularly in that first period, again. We've said it, first periods haven't been, well, we haven't said it, but we did say it. Um, those um, first periods haven't been kind to us the last three couple of weeks. And it's been, it has, we have been kind of almost the master of our own demise at times with just not being able to get the breakouts working from the zone. And if you turn, we saw a couple of goals in that first period, which came from turnovers in our own end. And that's always going to hurt you in a league like this, which is so competitive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought we, um, again, I thought, I remember doing the interview with Aaron post-game and he kind of said that he thought we played a good game, um, but Peterborough took those chances when they came to them and we didn't. Yeah. And I think that's entirely fair. I don't think we played an awful, awful game of hockey at all. No, um, no. I don't think we were at our best, but I don't think we were terrible either. I think, no. you know, on and, another night, you might, on another night, you maybe get that third goal in the sec- in in the second period and it might... And it t- turns the momentum going. You get a bit more confidence going into the third. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, the Sun gets a two-goal lead quickly in the third period, and yeah, you're left chasing the game. And when you're, you know, not scoring quite as many goals as you perhaps should be as a team, that's going to hurt. Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree. And like you said, you, that second period, I thought we definitely created a lot of chances. We had a good, good shots in on, on Jordan Maher, who played well in goal. Um, and he was everything we know that Jordan Mar can be. Um, solid, but not spectacular. There weren't any massive windmill glove saves, but everything came his way. He just calmly dealt with and put pucks in corners and, and cleared the danger. And that's what yeah. Jordan does. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's a, he's, he's a solid netminder. Obviously, we know that both Mar brothers are excellent netminders in this league. And obviously, Jordan, unfortunately, for, for us, had the better better of the night. I don't think, to be fair, Rennie did too much wrong. I don't think really you could criticise him for any of the goals that he conceded. Um, it was just one of those nights where, again, people were really clinical, but also we probably gave them one or two many just guilt edge chances, you know, just too much, a bit too much space and time at, at times. And like I say, you've got guys, you know, Slavkovsky started the season in great form. Mitchell King started the season in great form. Luke Johnson, you know, it's the ex-player curse. You give him space and he's going to score against you sort of thing. Um, and then, yeah, like I say, the fifth was a two-on-one at the end when, you know, we're, we're pushing, or not at the end, but, you know, in that third period when we're trying to push to get back in the game. And, again, not a lot Rennie can do there when it comes across to a guy at the back door and he goes top shelf. Um, there's really no, no nothing he can do. And... Yeah, like I say, I don't think we were. Yeah, I don't think we were terrible. I don't think we were. Like I say, we didn't. Obviously, we are going to have that discussion about inconsistency in a moment. But I don't think we were necessarily bad. Bad. I just think as a team, we need. To, if I were, I'm not a hockey coach. So we've said this many times before, and you know, I'm not. You know, I'm sure Aaron has a grip more, much more of a grip on it than I do. But 
I just feel as a, from a kind of fan's perspective, we just kind of tidy up some elements of our game at the moment. And it's just those little mistakes, those little turnovers, those that, that last pass not quite being crisp enough. And it's just that's the difference at the moment when we're not winning games. Um, because we're just not quite taking those chances and we're just giving up a bit too much at the other end. But I think it'll come. I think there's we've seen flat enough from this team so far to say that this is a team that's going to be competitive in this league. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. And I'm going to mention it. It is no... I, I always don't like saying things like this because it makes me think that people are going to say, oh, I'm just saying that because of the result. It wasn't because of the result, but it didn't help. We didn't have Chris Jones or Sam Bullis on Saturday night. Um, both big parts of the team. Do no. I think if those two play that game, we win that game? No, I don't. But not the way the game played out anyway. No, no. Um, they weren't the reason we lost, is what I'm trying to say. But it definitely, it definitely big, big holes in our lineup. It definitely doesn't help. Obviously, we know Chris Jones is a you know big part of that top six. He's a big part of that power play. He's a, he's an excellent goal scorer. Um, and, and playmaker, you know, he's, he's a really, just a really good all-round player. And Sam Bullis is a, you know, he can play up the lines, but he's also a really big part of that third line. And I do think, I don't, I think the third line worked really hard. I think you had a third line on Saturday of the Taylor brothers and Jack Goodchild, and they all worked their socks off. But Sam Bullis just brings something a little bit different to that line. He brings a bit of size. Um, and, and I think that's just where we maybe, maybe that, you know, you had those three guys buzzing around, but just didn't quite have that. You know, I think Peterborough had the edge on them physically at times, um, and that's not a knock on any of them. I thought they were a, a few people I spoke to, and I wouldn't disagree, said they were probably our busiest line consistently throughout the night in terms of just annoying the phantoms, mm-hmm. but they just couldn't quite have that edge. You know, maybe they didn't have the, the guy around the net that probably would give you, they didn't have that little bit of extra size to, you know, convert that busyness into a goal. But that's not, like, not a criticism of them. I thought that line had a pretty good game and it was really good to see. Um, I think I know there's been, he's, he's a guy who's been talked about a little bit in recent weeks, but it was nice to see Jack Goodchild getting regular shifts um, on that third line. It's kind of, he need it's, it's that difficult situation for a young player of needing to develop, but needing the ice time to develop. And it's, those are the sort of games where Jack is going to learn from a lot. I would, I would say, you know, he was, getting those regular shifts in a game that wasn't going too well. But, yeah, he got plenty of ice, and I think he, he did well, and hopefully he can continue to do well when he gets those chances and work his way up the lineup because, you know, you want to see the young players. At some point, the young players are going to have to take on the mantle of bigger roles over whether that's this year, next year, whenever. So, yeah, really important to see him, to see the development. And I think he started the season really well, personally, anyway. No, I, I completely agree. I think, I think he's a... Uh... A little ball of energy, and I think he, um, you know, he's shown again. You've got to take it with a slight pinch of salt because we that whole game was was unique. But um, you know, he scored two really nice goals at the back end of that game, um, which shows he's got that uh, offensive mentality and ability. And it's just yeah, just kind of pulling it all together. Yeah, and he's had a good preseason as well, and he's had times when he's played with Colby and Reed, and that's gonna, you know, help help Reed as well because Reed's obviously another young lad, and yeah. you know, getting the opportunities to play with Colby will help them, and yeah, hopefully they can continue their their development um, as the season goes on, and yeah, I mean, like I say, 
at the moment, it does feel like we've got quite a versatile lineup, but it really doesn't help when you've got two really key players. You've got your captain and your September player of the month, as it turned out, um, missing from the lineup for a game where against Peterborough, you, it, you're always in for a tough game. Um, they roll four lines, they, they're just so disciplined. Um, yeah, it's always going to be difficult. But that's, as you say, it's not an excuse because it's, the way that Peter played, I don't think necessarily we'd have beaten them even with those two guys back in the team. No, that's probably a better way of wording it than, than what I said to kind of start that question. Um, by process of elimination, it's going to be a good weekend this weekend, isn't it? <laughs> well, it does feel that way, doesn't it? Um, I'd like to think so. Um, it, would be, it would be really nice. Obviously, you've got the trip to Bristol on Friday. That's going to be, you know, we saw the preseason games. Bristol are really fast. They're going to be really hard working. The game's probably going to be quite chippy. There's that rivalry already kind of forming between the teams, and yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be a tough game. I, I would say we're like I said, we're going to have to be better than we were against Peterborough. Um, they Bristol are coming off that high of getting their first win in the national level last week, um, which we'll talk about when we go around the updates later. Um, and obviously, since preseason, they've brought a couple of bodies in. They've, they've, they've had the arrival of Owen Sobchak, um, who started the season on fire for them. And they've brought in Scott Jameson from Fife, Kakoti, um, up in Scotland. So they've got some extra depth there. Um, and yeah, they're going, to be, they're going to be tough to beat. It's going to be a really tricky contest in that building. And then obviously you have MK on Sunday and MK have started the season like a like an absolute train on Saturday. So I said, so I said Sunday, I've got my, I've still got my Saturday, Sunday head on, but yeah, so on Saturday we're playing an MK and they've, and they've started the season there. Like I say, them and Leeds have started the season and they look, just both teams look so good right now. They're both unbeaten and yeah, MK are going to be tough. We, and again, we'll talk about imports later because there is obviously stuff going on with imports, but MK are doing it a man down. A key player, a key part of that lineup down because they haven't got a visa for their second import. So, yeah, yeah that's going to be a real tough one. Um, but if you can get if you can get a couple of wins there, then that's a massive boost in confidence. It, but yeah, it, consistency. Do we want to talk about consistency now? It feels like a good time. <laughs> well, that was kind of the point I was making. Yeah, exactly. It it just feels we're a bit up and down at the moment. Yeah, um, we've had you know that first weekend you got the double shutout wins. The second weekend, the kind of two fairly heavy, ultimately, losses against Basingstoke. Third weekend, two professional performances where we got good results against Romford. This weekend, just gone. Again, we have one game. You can, you should be, you know, you're thinking we can just go full out and then we have a bit of a flat performance against Peterborough and we don't get the win and we get, for want of a better word, we get slavered. And, yeah, it just feels like we've been up and down and... It's just that it's and part of that is the league is so tough. And you can't just if you're not playing your best game, you you're probably not gonna win, whoever you're playing. But yeah, it does just feel that we've kind of gone from highs to lows quite a lot to start the year, and there hasn't been that kind of we haven't found that level that we need to over the kind of week week to week, which you know, teams like Leeds and MK seem to have. Yeah. And I think that's entirely fair. I think I, I don't know what I put it down to. 
and I think you're right in the sense that you can't always look at yourself because yes, we're we yes we have been inconsistent, but we've played some good hockey teams who have played some good games yeah, against have. us, and we, we and I don't think with the possible exception of two periods, one each against Basingstoke, mm. I don't think we've been bad. I don't no, think we've been a bad hockey team. The problem is we haven't been good. Been, yeah, in those games, think, and that's where you have to be good to yeah. win games at this level. If you're just having a okay-ish night, yep. In previous years, you might have got away with that. This year, yep. you're not going to, and I think that's where the difference kind of comes in. Um, like I say, against yeah, I think there've been times where there have been a couple of, I would say, semi-consistent issues through the year. Um, I think that that first pass out of defense has been an issue at times. We have had too many games where we've been you know made those turnovers around our own blue line and that that hurt us uh, again it hurt us in that first period on Saturday and I just think we're not a we're definitely not a one-line hockey team but and there is a but here and obviously we are missing Chris Jones or have been missing Chris Jones the last couple of weeks who is a big kind of part of that top six and adds a lot of balance to that top six but we do, I think, there is an element that in the games where we've struggled, we have missed scoring from players not on that line, that Nell Cowley-Malazinski line, which has been superb in terms of scoring. There hasn't quite been enough, maybe as much as you would expect from some of the guys on those lower lines. And that's not a criticism of those guys. Like, they've played good hockey. They've definitely like Colby has played good hockey. Ballant has played good hockey. We've mentioned Jack and Reed have played good games as well. But it just feels that maybe at some point, I don't, it's a difficult one. When, when I think when CJ's back in and when Bully's back in, it maybe fixes the balance a little bit. Potentially you can do a few more things with the lines. But right now it does feel a bit like we're relying a bit too much on that top, on that, on that top three, on that, on that main big line. And I don't think it's intentional. I, I just think the way the team is set up, we need more. It's designed to have three three lines who can contribute. And right now, you've got two lines who are contributing with hard work, but not not getting the reward from from goals. And then that, in, in a knock on effect, is hurting the team down the line because we're being caught out in games like on on like Saturday against Peterborough. Yeah, and I that think that maybe sounds a bit too bit more negative than I intended it no, to. No, I, I I don't think it does. I think I think you're right. I mean. How do I word this? I mean, the, the, the headline thing is you get Bully and CJ back into that team, you can you, you can play four-line hockey again. Yeah, you can play four-line hockey and you have you have because you're only gonna have to double shift well. one guy out of and I could probably list four that could do it. Yeah, and yeah, and you're getting and, and you're getting more balance in terms of proven experienced guys on every line who yeah. proven experienced scorers at this level, yeah. or at least you know, have history of being a, you know, good goal scorer. And that's, again, not a criticism of, you know, anyone. But, yeah, right now you've got Aaron Nell, Russ Cowley, Thomas Malazinski, which 10 years ago, that's an elite league line. You know, when they're in, all in their prime, you could have run that line in an, in an elite league team. But, yeah, it's not that there's a drop-off. It's not... This isn't a Cats team from 10 years ago where we literally have one line and 
that's the line that's going to carry us all year. But it does feel that right now we need, whether it's tweaking the lines or guys just, you know, having that big breakout game where they can get those, you know, that big performance. I don't know. I'm not, like I say, I'm not, I'm not a coach. And it might just, it's one, it's one of those things that one night it might just click. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, right now I just feel like maybe there's just a little bit more need to take a bit of the pressure off the kind of top line and the D and the net minding with a, you know, one of those nights where we can, Hull wasn't, wasn't it because of just how weak the opposition were that night, but just one of those nights where we can have that kind of six goals at home and look really good again, like we did, maybe like we did against Telford in the pre-season. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's entirely fair. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess we see what see what this weekend brings. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, as we this weekend, you've got winnable games, not the, but you've also got losable games. Like both of those games are against teams who are capable of beating us. On the flip side, even though MK are unbeaten, I feel like on our night we can beat them. I mean, there's an element to say that the pressure's off on Saturday. Yeah, no one. It's not been very often in the last three or four years that the Wildcats will go into a game as an underdog. Hmm. Is that fair to say? In the kind of since the end of the EPL years, I don't think it's been many cases where we would have gone into a game as a clear underdog, which we will on Saturday against an unbeaten Lightning team. We would have played the night before. You know, the Lightning have, you know, they're just steamrolling everybody. Steamrolling, like Leeds, they're steamrolling people. They've got, they've, you know, no dis- disrespect to Brandon Sosa and Max Bissell. They've upgraded their net minding. And that's, like I say, Max Bissell is a good net minder, but Jordan Headley is in the GB squad. They've got Jordan Headley and they've brought in a guy who went to the World Championship last year. Um, which was got, the top level of World Championship. Which is the top level of World Championship, exactly. Exactly. He's gone and... You know he's he's beaten out other guys for that for that job behind bounds and whistle. They've kept the core of that goal scoring together. You know Tim Wallace is back in a coaching role this year. Um, that's got a guy with elite league coaching experience. Um, successful elite league coaching. Successful elite league coaching experience. Recent exactly. as well because he, he was the head coach. He was the head coach when they won the COVID league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Course, he, he won the uh, yeah. He was Nottingham's head coach um, when they won there, and obviously it didn't end well for him in Nottingham, but. He's still, you know, a guy who's coached at a higher level than this. You've got and played in the NHL, okay, a long time ago, but played in the NHL. So he's not a, you know, he's no, he's no, he's no fool. You've got, you know, Liam Stewart has started in ridiculous form. You know, I think he's got something like fourteen goals, one assist. You know, doesn't need to pass because he's putting the puck away. <laughs> you know, um, Liam, but yeah, Liam Stewart started in incredible form. You know, Bobby Chamberlain is obviously a proven scorer. Talbot and Norris are proven scorers. The D looks pretty solid. You've got Milik Martelli in full time now as well. Yeah, they're still waiting on the visa for Sarkanis, the second import, but they just look so good. And I think it's that, yeah, rare occasion where the Wildcats will go into a game as a very clear underdog. And it hopefully, you know, hopefully for us, that takes some of the pressure away because. I don't think necessarily our fans are going to go in there with the expectation that we're going to get a, get a win on Saturday. Yeah. You, don't get me wrong. There's there's always a. I would never go into a game expecting us to lose. Oh. 
at home. But I equally would look at that MK team and say, if they beat us, that's not a surprise. No, I think that's fair. You know, and, and the same with, with Bristol, obviously, okay, obviously, very different situation. You're playing a team who've won one game all year, but they've just come off the back of that win. And they're going to want to make that, you know, they're going to want to make that home ice a bit more of a fortress. You've got, and they're going to be young, they're going to be fast, they're going to be hungry, and they're going to want to beat their local rivals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they're going to, it's going to be a tough game, and they, they seem to be getting better and better, as we thought they would, as they kind of get, get more used to it. And like I say, they get guys in, they've got, like I say, Owen Sobchak's come over, a bit of an unknown, but he started the season really well. He's taken the captaincy as well, which not not necessarily a surprise, but a little bit of a surprise, I thought, you know, given... He's new to the country, mm-hmm. but again, that kind of shows the impact he's already had in that locker room. So, yeah, it's going to be two really tough games, and we're going to have to play our best hockey and see what see where it comes. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I, I am. I think it should be a good, good, exciting weekend. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've kind of sidetracked into looking ahead. How much yeah. detail do you want to? Go when we look backwards the last weekend. I mean, we can just go through the through the games like usual. We do have stats, so if you bear with me one second, I'll get them open. This is always the uh, the fun, the, the nervy part of trying to get the um, spreadsheets and stuff to open until until we have the a new scoring system, which is on the way from you know all of the whispers, whispers and rumors and hockey forum posts and. Tweets from the EIJ and whatever. So it'll be there. It'll be. It'll be it'll there. Be there. It'll be it there will soon. be there. So it's always difficult. Um, but yeah. Okay. So we'll start on Saturday, as we, we normally would, and we'll start with we'll start in Hull with the Seahawks and the Raiders, just because that's what's first on my list. <laughs> yeah. So it is a win for the Raiders. Um, a 6-2 win for the Raiders. Um, goals in this one for Hull, for the Raiders open the scoring through Jacob Ranson before goals from elite, an equaliser from Lee Pollitt for Hull. Um, Matthew Gomerick put the Gomerick Gomerich put the um, put the Raiders back in front, and then Jake Sylvester took the game over. Um, two goals in 20 seconds in the, to begin the second period. And then he sealed his hatchet on half an hour. Cam Hamill pulled one back before Aaron Connolly got the um, winner later, or the icing on the cake late on for the Raiders. Um, Hull's tough start continues, but they again they seem to be getting those games. They seem to be getting a bit more. They seem to be scoring more. Yep. And they, no, they they're, are. They're, they're, they're getting. They're getting there. They are getting. They are getting there. They are definitely getting there. Um, a bit of a cracker in Bristol. Um, we mentioned they got their first win. They didn't make it easy for themselves. They went 5-1 up in this one. Dominic Gabay opened the scoring for the Bees in the first minute before he was quickly... That was quickly pulled back by new signing Scott Jameson. Um, Alex Roberts, Callie Robertson, Owen Sobchak and Sean Morris, not Norris, put the um, Pitbulls 5-1 up um, before Gabay pulled on back, making it 5-2. And that was all the scoring until until the last kind of eight minutes of the game. Gabay... Sealing his hat trick, Harvey Stead grabbing one, the nerves start jangling, the netminder goes to the bench, and with 24 seconds to go, 
an empty with the with, with the extra attacker Will Stead. Um, not necessarily known as a big goal scorer, Will Stead, but comes up with a vital goal to give um to give the the bees a point, take it to overtime. That game goes to a shootout. Um and ultimately it is the Pitbulls who grab the win. I don't know who scored the winner. I seem to remember it was can't remember who it was. I've seen the highlight goal, but um it's Christian Moore. That's who it was. Christian Moore got the um, game winner in the, in the shootout. Um just a shout out in that game as well. Friend of the podcast, friend of everyone in British hockey, Dan Weller Evans coming in at, at one five um for the bees and keeping, you know, 15 saves through the game as the bees pull it back. Unfortunately, can't quite get the win in the shootout. Um, but yeah, Dan, good to see Dan on the ice and you know, playing well by the look of it. Keep it up, Dwayne. Friend, friend of everyone in British hockey. Um in Milton Keynes, the Lightning take on the Bison, and as we say, the Lightning have been steamrolling everyone. Liam Stewart, Stewart scored a hat-trick, about the third he's had, had of the year so far. Uh, also goals for Rio Grinnell Park, Callum Field, and Tim- Timothy Wallace, it says on this spreadsheet. I think that's how he's listed on game sheets. Tim Wallace with the goal. Um, George Norcliffe and Marcel Balash for the Bison. A game that for some reason, the Lightning and the Bison always seem to have incidents is one is something I would say here. And no different here as there were three fights by the look of it over the night. Um, fighting majors for Chamberlain, Talbot, Landsbergs, Morris, Max Stewart and Jay King. I, yeah. Line brawl. Yeah, line rule. Um, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a video going around at the weekend, wasn't there? And it just looked like a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It wasn't um, wasn't the best, but that's that's hockey. You know, those incidents happen. It just it it was funny. I did see comments from both of the MK Bison fans saying, "Why does this always happen in our games?" <laughs> um, yeah. We obviously know about the Wildcats and the Phantoms. We've talked about that one already. So we'll finish in Sheffield for Saturday's games. Telford and the Steel Dogs, and it's the Tigers who come out on top of that one. Goals from Dan Mulcahy, Danny Rose, and Jake Price. A goal from Jack Brammer, who started the season in really good form for the Steel Dogs. Um, get them the win. Don't know the shots on goal because no one published them. But yeah, Brad Day gets the win in Sheffield. Um yeah, not really any more detail about that in the game. So yeah, any thoughts on on that one? While I, on those games, while I change my spreadsheet over to to, to the sort of Sunday games. I mean, obviously the the headline was that come was the was so near comeback. Mm, yeah, I mean, um, you know, any the bees have got a habit of doing that, haven't they? Yeah, they do. I mean, they've, obviously they've done it. They're, they're, they're a team who never give up. And even though they're low on numbers this year, you can never count them out of a game. They're just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And ultimately, you know, in that, this one, the Pitbulls, they've just they've just not been able to hang on at the end. Obviously, obviously they've got the win, and that's, I think, massive for the Pitbulls to get that first, to get over that hump. You know, it's been a few weeks, and they've, they've come close so many times. They obviously have one against MK where... You know, the Lightning scored the winner 
inside the last minute of regulation and you know it's it's been tough it's been a tough start for the pitbulls um obviously adapting to a new league but yeah that's going to be massive for them but yeah never count out the bees i think is what we've learned there no and again if anyone wants to um just youtube swindon wildcats well then bracknell bees new year's just before know, Christmas. Yeah, it was December some point early. The high, you'll know which game it is. The highlights are about, highlights are about minutes 17 long. minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah a lot. We talk about this one a lot on that podcast. Yeah. Well, I think we're still somewhat mentally scarred by it. <laughs> yeah. So, Bristol, we know how you feel. Yeah. I mean, literally do. We, uh, we, literally we won do. that game too. Yeah. In a shootout as well. Exactly. Um, I, bet, I bet Adam Harding's thrilled he didn't have to play that game. Oh, that would have been actually run. that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to mention in that Pitbulls game. Go on. Don't know if the rule has changed, but that pit, but they played the shootout best of five. Interesting. I, unfortunately, the EIHA's new rules of competition is only available to clubs and staff and players and not publicly available. But yeah, they played that shootout best of five. The bees and um, the Pitbulls won it four one. And we will see what happens because that's possibly the only game so far this year to go to penalty shootout. That I'm aware of. I can't recall of any no, others. I can't recall any others. So. Keynes had an overtime winner against Sheffield, and I think Sheffield yeah. had an overtime winner this weekend. Yeah, so I don't know if that's changed or not, but yeah, one to keep an eye on is to yes. whether that's a, something that is consistent and not confusing. Mm-hmm. There's a good start. There's a good tangle for a. Uh, British hockey mm. consistent and confusing yeah yeah there you go it's our motto um, okay so we go on to Sunday um we'll start with the bison as they take on the pitbulls unfortunately for the pitbulls can't make it that four point weekend um the bison jump out to a lead here um early on Hallam Wilson and Marcel Balash Mason Lipsy that's a name from Swindon hockey for the Swindon hockey fans. Ellipsy, I'm sure we all know that one. Um, he gets one back for Bristol before Gaël Le puts the Bison back two in front. Then the Bees had their comeback. Owen Sobchak, uh, the Bees, the Pitbulls had their comeback. Owen Sobchak and Reese Kelly tying the game early in the third. But it's the Bison who have the extra, just that extra bit of steam, extra bit of quality on the night. Zach Milton and Le Boile scoring those late goals to give it a 5-3 win there. Um, the Bison continuing their strong home record. That's, I think, three or four on the bounce at home for them. Um, and they've started the season maybe better than people expected. I wouldn't necessarily say, again, no, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a title contending team yet, but they're certainly not the whipping boys that people predicted they would be this year. Yeah. Going into so going up to Slough, we have the Bees and the Seahawks, and Hull took a two 0 lead in this one um, to to kind of put the fear of the fear into the Bees for for a little while. Goals from Owen Bruton and Declan Barber on the power play. Uh, apparently that was a, apparently a decent goal as well. I haven't watched the highlights, but apparently posted in. Um, Ryan Webb pulled one back before Hull actually extended that back to their. Um, Extended back to their two-goal lead through Jordan Fisher, and then the bees came roaring through as Hull tired with their short bench. Will Stead, Juha Lindgren, Brendan Walkham, Alan Lack, Juha Lindgren again, Lewis English, and then another goal for Lack. Shout out to Charlie McCarthy on this one. Um, 
give them. Oh, don't tell Charlie he's getting shout outs on the podcast. I know, he's, I know, but you know, Alan Mack, you know, massive, massive player. Um, he gets, he, they get the, they get the goals. It's an eight-three win for the bees. Again, tough weekend for the Seahawks, but they definitely seem to be showing an improvement. But with the short bench, it's always going to be very difficult, particularly when you don't have those imports there. Um, but yeah, a, a good weekend for the Beast. Three points. You know, I think Doug Shepard takes that every every time. I, do you know what? I don't think it's just Doug. I think a lot of teams in this league will take that every weekend. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Probably um, us included. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we got three points this weekend, I think you'd be del- we'd be delighted. Yeah. Um, Telford Tigers and the MK Lightning, close one in Telford this. Um, Vladimir Luka opens the scoring for the Tigers. Also getting goals for Telford were Finley Howes and Bailey Harewood. Tim Wallace, Liam Stewart and Sam Talbot got the Lightning level at three all going into that third period and ultimately... Ross Green with the game winner. Not necessarily proven goal scorer, Ross Green, but he grabs the winner 42-44 um, and the, the, the Lightning hold on to make that seven in a row, I want to say. I think they've played one less than Leeds. They yeah, I'm pretty certain it's uh, seven, seven and eight. Wins out of seven. And another four-point weekend for the MK Lightning. Like I say, one of the, one of the two form teams in the league so far. Speaking of the form teams in the league, the Leeds Knights played one game over the weekend and, well, they won again. <laughs> there's, there's really nothing more to say about that. Um, there is one thing I could say. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i going to put my hand ahead on the, lo- the block here because I think you've got the spreadsheet in front of you. Yeah. Did Grant Cooper finally stop scoring? He, he, he didn't get a goal. He did not get a goal in this game. He did get some assists. No, apparently, I think I read a tweet from the, uh, I think it was the Leeds Knights announcer that said, unfortunately, when he had to announce him as player of the month at the start of the game, he kind of felt like that was going to be a little bit of a spanner in the works. He cursed it. Go 0 and 4, I think. Yeah, Yeah, he got, he got, um, actually, I've got this down as 0 and 5 here, but that may, you know, I I could be wrong. Either way, the guy still contributed, even if he didn't put the puck in the net. Yeah, the guy. It was a 6-3 win, and yeah, I've got Cooper on at least four. Yeah, actually, yeah, I've got O plus four here. So um, I just can't count. Um, yeah, O plus four. Yeah, he's still he's still dominating, even when he's not scoring. Um, Matt Hayward, Carter Hamill, Harry Gulliver, Adam Barnes, Matt Hayward again, and Zach Brooks with um, goals for lead. Least I, did, I just realised Harry Gulliver plays for the Raiders and I just went absolutely awesome. You know that's what? 50p in the pot for me. I was just sat here thinking, have I gone back here? I went to, yeah, I was going to say, I just went on autopilot there. Harry Gulliver with the Raiders' first goal. So goals for leads for Matt Haywood, Carter Hamill, Barnes, a second for Haywood, Zach Brooks and Cole Shudra. Gulliver. I like it. Yeah. Gulliver, Eilif and Adam Lasham. Back for the weekend. I don't know if Pierre Tack was injured, whether they just decided to, you know, switch things up and use um, Lation for the York for their two games in Yorkshire. But yeah, um, he gets another goal. He started the season pretty well for Romford. Um, it's it's a tricky one. Obviously, he's got his university commitments. He won't always be available for them, but it's definitely a useful player to have on your roster. He, I think, he was one of those players who came good as the year went on last year. I think he had a kind of tough start getting used to British hockey, but kind of come playoff time, he was really, really clutch for the Lightning yeah, in their run to the Coventry final. Um, 
I mean, it's, you know, that's a really smart pickup for for the Raiders if they can get him in when they need him. No, I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, be interesting to see if they continue to roll those three over the course of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brad Winderbank got the start in that one for the um for for um, the Raiders as well. I don't know. I could be wrong here, and apologies if I am because I haven't seen the spreadsheets back the stats back all the way. That may have been his first start of the season. And that is a pretty tough... Brave is, doing it in the castle. I was going to say, going, doing it away in Leeds, that is a tough, tough start. Um, yeah. you've got right, to, we... I mean, you've got to give him a game at some point, but that is a tough one to pick if, I, if, I am, if I'm right. I think that is his first league start of the season. We tip our hats to you, sir. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Decent, decent effort as well. 36 saves through the game in that one. Um, but yeah, Leeds' is terrifyingly, terrifyingly good offence continues. Um I say, yeah, run out six free winners and remain right up there at the top of the table with the Lightning. The yeah. question, I mean, look forward to them playing each other. <laughs> I do. Gonna, and I'm going to be a, a unbelievably good game. Going to very quickly talk and research at the same time because there's a little part of me that think, forget I said that. <laughs> I was about to say there's a little part of me that thinks it's this weekend coming, but it's not. Um, it looks like their first fixture is at the castle on the 21st of October. So In not far away. Leeds and Lightning fans and any hockey fans, get your tickets for that one early. That is going to be a storming game. If you know what? Mm-hmm. I might even stream that because I think that's a Friday night. Yes, it is because we play in Milton Keynes on Saturday. On... Yes. So um, um, I may watch that one. Yeah, that, that is could be an absolute be, barnstormer. That is going to be a storming game. That one. Um, um, we've anyway um, to finish up the to finish up the weekend stats, which is again as ever not been as smooth as when Joe used to do this. So apologies to everyone for having to put up with me doing this. Um, in Peterborough, we've got the um, Phantoms and the Steel Dogs. Phantoms run out with an overtime win, 3-2 in this one. Alex Padalek and Tom Norton with the reg- regulation time goals for the hosts, James Spur and Jason Hewitt for the Steel Dogs. Padalek gets the overtime winner. And, yeah, I think he scored a 200th goal that night as well. I don't know if it was the first or the second that um, Padalek got the overtime win. I've seen... I've seen that one on I've seen that one on um, on the highlights. Nice, really nice finish that. Um goes good work from good work in the three on three and Padlec's there to put it top shelf as we've seen well 199 times before. Well I was gonna I was actually gonna say not only have we seen that 199 times before, but I saw that overtime winner and I kind of feel like I've seen that about six times in Peterborough as well. Yeah, he's he he let's be honest, Alex Padlec is very good at what he does. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the kind of weird. There's no, I've got no kind of interesting goalie stats or goalie stats at all from that game. So, um, goalies made saves, goalies let goals in. Goalies, exactly, exactly. But yeah, four point weekend for the Phantoms. And if they play like they did on Saturday, then they'll uh, they'll keep they'll keep doing them. Yeah, they will keep yeah, doing them. They are, like I say, I don't think they're um, they're not a team to rule out. I know people, there's been talk this week of it. Already looking like a two-horse race. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. There's a couple of teams I wouldn't rule out, and I think the Phantoms are one of them. I don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to stick with the pace as the year goes on, but they've got a deep squad. 
that's a hard rink to go and play in. Also, random shout out because I saw this on social media today. Bradley Bowering, congratulations on passing your driving test. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Because the fan, I did notice that the Phantoms tweeted that earlier. So uh, there we go. We're all for achievements of this podcast. Um, there's a couple of little things that mm-hmm. I think we said we were going to touch on. I'm going to take the, the lead on one of them. Do you want to do, we, do, we, do, we, do you want to do a table first? Oh, of course, we want to do a table first. We have a table. We have a table. Thank you, EHA. You have a table. But also, yeah, to be fair, I'm, I'm, I'm thanking Joe Scutz at nihlstats.wordpress.com. Big up, he, Joe. Because Joe has been doing the doing the Lord's work here and going through all of the games without any stat sheets and has managed to, at the very least, get results and get a table up on the, on the site. Big so, up, Joe. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> so the Knights top the table, level on points with the Lightning, actually seven games each. Um, so they are level on points now after Leeds had a one-game weekend. Um, yeah, that's going to be a really good game when they play each other. Phantoms in third place, two points behind, but having played a game more than the Bison on 10 points. The Wildcats, eight points from seven games. Telford have eight points from eight games. The Steel Dogs, eight points from seven games. We said this league was going to be competitive. You know, the top, yeah, we're early on, but the top seven are only split by six points. Um, then, then a little gap to the Bees and the Raiders on five. The Pitbulls with two from that from that shootout win as they get off the mark. Hull, eight games, eight defeats. Their time will come. We keep saying this, but their time will come. Um, yeah. They will. And that kind of leads me on to what I was about to say. Yeah. Because their time will come. And we have said this before. Their imports will come too. At some point come. <laughs> They will arrive. Um, another statement was released by the, the Seahawks this week um, regarding the update on visas and flights and everything to do with the home office and Messrs. Feck and, and Tamar. Um, really can't help but feel that is the statement of a club that just can't do any more than they're already doing. No, no, they're completely beholden to the Home Office and to the government. And and again, like we said earlier, let, let's, there's a small part of me that throws Milton Keynes into to this yeah. with Sarkanis as well. Yeah, like I said, Milton Keynes obviously have it. You know, obviously it's not affected Milton Keynes in anywhere near the way that it's affected Hull. You know, Milton Keynes are a deep, proven team at this level, a deep, experienced, proven team, and they can probably, you know. They can they can they've shown with their you know seven seven wins from seven games that they can do without one player. And they also, to be fair to me, on Keane spent most of last year with one import as well. Yeah, exactly. They used to play playing games with one import. They spent most of last year with just Adam Maestro. Um So they they've got the, the the quality depth in that team to cover the loss of or the current loss of Sarkanis. How you got you've got a brand new team, you've got lots of youngsters, you've had injuries. Matty Davis has had surgery. That's something else. Matty Davis has had surgery this week. So, you know, all the best to the recovery on that one, Matty. And hopefully, fingers crossed, this resolves the issues and you can get back on the ice. But you know, it's one of those things that definitely the interview. The interview was that was I must admit, I saw if you haven't seen Matty Davis's interview about his knee surgery, it's tough to watch. It's a that is tough to watch, but it's just been tough on Hull in general, and you're then completely beholden by bureaucracy, and it's nothing. there's nothing they can do apart from just continue to chase as best as they can, and you've got a feel for the players as well. You know, Emil and 
Andre, Tamer are just sort of in limbo. They're not able to play hockey. We're in October. They want to, they want to be over here. They want to be playing. They don't want to be sat at home waiting for the call. They yeah. just want to be on the ice. They'll just be, want to be on the ice and helping that team and playing hockey. And yeah, it's just tough. It's so tough for the fans. It's so I feel for the you know the board at Hull and the fans and the players who are there and just it's a really really I think their owner said um, their direct one of the directors who put out the statement said you know it's the one of the most ridiculous ones of luck he's seen in you know all his years of following hockey and it certainly hasn't been a, a smooth start. It really hasn't. And like we said when we were going around the kind of the league roundup. It's getting closer. They are. They, like, they, like I said, they, 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 the games, they're not, those games aren't 12 mil, 9 mil anymore. Okay, they've, they've fallen off at the end against the Bees and, and ended up losing kind of 8 3, but they've battled for half an hour. They've had the lead for half an hour in that game before the Bees have kind of that extra. You know, the legs have just gone a bit for Hull, having had to play. Okay, yeah, the Bees are short then as well, but the Bees do have that extra bit of quality at the moment. You know, they've got goodbye, they've got Brendan Walcombe. They've got guys like that in their team who can come out and play those big minutes. They're used to playing those big minutes at this level. And it's just kind of ground them down. Yeah. Um, that was kind of it, really. That's all yeah, we were going to say. It was an update to everyone listening about where the where the imports are for Hull. And... Equally, you know, it's like we know what Tamo and Svet can add to that team. You know, we've seen Emil and Swindon for a year. We know what he's good at. You know, we know he can score goals and he's got... A, you know, unreal shot. We know Tamar is, as we, you know, is probably a better player than Emil. Like he was one of the top players. He was the player of the season in the EPL one year. You know, he's a fifty-goal scorer in the EPL. He's a, another guy who's got a great shot. And if he plays anywhere near like he did in the EPL, he's the best import in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, he'll be right. Yeah, he'll be right. That's the best import in the league. So you've got two really, really good imports to come, and. It's just so so difficult that the you know, unfortunately the, I will, the the technical term I guess is bureaucratic nonsense just is holding them up. Like at the end of the day, they just sat around waiting for someone at the home office to stamp a paper or you know online do it electronically. Now it's not a physical. Now it's a physical stamp. But yeah, send some paperwork through. But because there's just you know ultimately. You know, this is not a politics podcast, but there's just such a back backlog there with the setup and everything going on in the world that it's just so difficult to to get that done. And yeah, you've got to feel for feel for Hull and and like I say, to a lesser extent because it hasn't affected him, but to MK as well because obviously Sarkanis is the same boat. He he'll, he'll be wanting to be over here playing hockey and he can't. And you know, maybe they'll be here the weekend. Maybe Sarkanis will play against us on Saturday. We don't know, but. It's always that case of you're just sort of around sitting there, sitting there waiting. And I know certainly from what I've been told by people about, you know, signing imports last year, it was almost a case of one day the paperwork just turned up and you were able to sort it out. <laughs> no, it was from from what I understand, it was very much like that um, when we um, when we signed Emil. Um, two other things are on my mind. Okay, one's kind of one's one's a little bit negative and the other one is could be quite positive but which one we're going to go with first should we should we do the neg- get them let's get the negative one out of the way and then we can finish the episode on our heart well 
we can finish the episode on a high before I spoil it. So I try to do the um, weekend's fixtures. All right, then I'll let you take, I'll let you take the lead on the slightly negative one. Cause we know what we're talking about. Yeah. So unfortunately, unfortunately we have lost an ice facility in the UK this week. Sad, sad moment. Sad times for everyone. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's like a star in the sense that it's not a hockey one. It's not a hockey one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Plymouth ice pavilion. Um, which still, from what I understand, has been the kind of home for various rec players yeah, to come no, through over yeah, the years, even though that is not a you know senior hockey team playing out of that rink because of the I think it's a weird I think it was a weird shaped rink or something. Um, I've not been there, but in any case, that has been closed down. And obviously, over the years, ice rinks come and ice rinks go, and it is always sad when they go. But just pulling up, but the obviously the big. The reason we're talking about this particular story, particularly given it is not a National League rink, it doesn't impact the Swindon Wildcats or the National League in any way at all, is the reason it's been closed down is because of the increase in energy bills. Now, obviously, this is an issue that impacts clubs. We've seen it with the Peterborough Phantoms raising ticket prices because of their increased costs, um, which is something I don't think I've ever seen from a from the British Hockey Club raising prices mid-season. No. Due to an increase in costs. Um, you know, the rink, by all accounts, has been hit in Plymouth, has been hit by, was hit by, basically, their electricity costs were tri- tripled. That is not sustainable. And, if other, other, and other rinks are not going to be immune from that. And that's going to include rinks that do support senior hockey teams, whether that's, the elite league or the national league or NIHL one or two. Yeah. I think it is something that we do have to consider. And I don't think this is not me sitting here and saying, oh no, all the rinks are going to close down and we're not going to have ice hockey ever again in this country. But there is an element that particularly there's going to be rinks, particularly ones that are very much council influenced with council budgets being cut that aren't going to be looking at this in similar boats. And you've got to wonder how I guess British hockey can deal with that. Like, is it like is there anything you can do with that? Like the energy costs issue isn't going away. It's only going to get worse as the winter months come on. Like it is a very difficult situation and obviously really sad for ice users in Plymouth. But yeah, it's going to be a concern, I'm sure, for ice users and players and teams and fans around the country at this point. Uh yeah. Like I don't really. There's nothing we can really talk. There's nothing we can really say about it at this point beyond the fact that it is sad that Plymouth's going, and we hope it's not a sign of things to come. But there is that real niggling. We have crystal ball. Yeah, if you you have like kind of niggling thing in the back of your mind of which ring might be next, mm. and particularly you know you see stories about you know, leisure facilities being closed and councils not having the budget to run them and you think ice rinks are going to be ones that are under the microscope because it is expensive to run an ice rink it sure is there's a lot of electricity needed in there to run keep that ice cold and to run it all and yeah it's um yeah it's going to be difficult and yeah definitely sad for those ice users in Plymouth um, who've lost lost their facility and you never want to see whether it's a hockey rink or one, just a rink any ice go down because we don't have enough of, enough of it as, as okay. it is in the UK no I uh, I completely agree with you 
Do you talk about something a little bit more cheerful. happy? I think we go to the happy news. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like I feel like I feel like we had to. That was a bit of a public service announcement more than anything. There was yeah, no, I think that's fair. There's no, we had nothing to really discuss, but apart from the fact that we're sad and electricity is expensive. Yeah, hence why we're both doing this wearing jumpers. Yeah. Um. Happy news. Yeah, I suppose it is happy news. Um. The NHL's back. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. A league that isn't going to be impacted by um, electricity bills. You'd have thought they have enough money to pay the pay to, to pay the electricity. A league where there is enough rinks. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. The NHL was back uh, opening night last night as we recorded. Well, no. This is the thing. It kind of was, and it kind of wasn't. Well. Well, yes. Yeah, so well, opening night was ten. Totally last night Friday in North America was last yeah. night. <laughs> and there was that one random game in. The Czech, Czech Republic, Republic. yeah, they played there yeah, between the Sharks and someone. I can't remember who went, who, who they were playing, but it was oh know, San Jose, one of the teams. Um, but yeah, they, um, yeah, the NHL is back. Um, I know that my my team start this evening as we again on the night that we record. I my don't know. Do. Yet, do we both start tonight? We both start. Don't tell me that I'm not going to know when banner raising night is. Of course, we start tonight. <laughs> All right, yeah, you had to mention it was banner raising night, didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah. The NHL. We didn't do back. a podcast over the summer. I haven't had chance to gloat. No, it's true. Yeah, the NHL is back. Ben, as you, if you haven't already worked out or didn't know, is a Colorado Avalanche fan. So it's Stanley Cup champions, uh, Colorado Avalanche, start tonight at home to the Chicago Blackhawks and get their banner raised and must again be. I imagine favourites to win the Stanley Cup again. I would have thought. If you believe the bookies, then yes. No reason to think you wouldn't. Um, for me, a long-suffering Toronto Maple Leafs fan, because you know I don't like watching hockey in the summer. <laughs> that's that's not true. I'm not going to make a joke this. about the second round. I'm not going to do it. It's too early. It's too early. Um, the, the Leafs start against in Montreal against the Canadians. Um, Against the Canadians tonight. Shocked you're starting against the Canadians. Yeah. And then they make their home opener tomorrow against um, the Washington Capitals. Not that I'm saying that they've worked it out this way, but of our new netminding trio, Matt Murray gets to start in 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 um, Montreal. So therefore, Ilya Samsonov, the netminder we signed from the Capitals, gets the home opener against the Capitals. Almost like they planned that one. Yep. But yeah, 100%. it's going to be like hockey. NHL is always it's you, it's 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 a, such a difficult league to predict. There's always those teams that are going to be up there. You've got to think, you know, the Avs will be back there or thereabouts again this year. Um, the Lightning are always the Lightning are always going to be around. I feel like the Boston Bruins are just never going to never going to every year. You think look at the Boston Bruins and think this will be the year that they finally fall off. They're getting old. And every year they prove you wrong. Um, and yeah, I'd like to hopefully, you know, hopefully the Toronto Maple Leafs do something this year. Um, yeah. Have you got any hot takes? Any hot takes? Because I could go for predictions, but have you got a hot take? I mean, I've got a. I'm going to say. The in terms of I will do okay I will do Eastern Conference hot takes because I follow the Eastern Conference a bit more. You can do a Western Conference hot take. Oh, that's it. Make me pick a one I haven't got. 
Oh, have you not got a hot take in the West? Okay, if you've got an Eastern Conference hot take, you go with your hot take first then. I mean, if you've got one. My hot take was going to be, and I'm going to say it, I think you at least get round through round one this year. Well, thank thank you, Ben Callahan, for once I, I like spins though. I think I that's like my hot take. I least, think this is the I would say, win around. I would say that it would be a really hot take for me to say it would get more than that. Let's just stick it to a first. Yeah, round. I mean, right now, right now, around for the Maple Leafs might as well be the Stanley Cup. You'd have a parade in Toronto if they won won a playoff series this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like obviously the talk in Toronto is, has been netminding. Um, Matt Murray coming in off the back of an injury hit season and a couple of years where he'd not been at the heights of that double Stanley Cup champion netminder he was in Pittsburgh. Ilya Samsonov again coming off the back of a slightly down year in Washington. You've lost Jack Campbell, who was an all star, but it's that. Is Jack Campbell going to be able to replicate that in Edmonton? Can Matt Murray get fit and come back to form? If Matt Murray can come back to form, I have a lot of conf- more confidence of the Leafs getting through a round in the playoffs. He's been a proven clutch playoff netminder over the years. And I, I like, and I think our bottom six looks better this year than it did last year. Um, I mean, salary cap is always going to be an issue. I think there was a thing I saw the other day, the Leafs had $4 in cap space going into opening night. Um, and I doubt you can even buy much at Tim Hortons with $4 of cap space. No, probably not. Yeah, that would be, that's, that, that's a good, that's a good hot take. Um, for the, the Western Conference, I would say, and this isn't a, this might be a bit of a niche hot take, the Edmonton Oilers won't make the Western Conference final, despite looking better on paper, because I think this time the Calgary Flames will come on top, on top of the Battle of Alberta. I really like what Calgary, ultimately losing Gaudreau and Kachuk. I thought that would be kind of, the, that may have been the end of the Calgary dynasty. I say di- not dynasty, they've not got a dynasty, they haven't won anything, but you know what I mean, the end of their hopes of getting, pushing forward with this group. But to get Huberdeau and Uyghur and Kadri in, I think that's that's really big for them. I don't think Kadri will have as good a year this year than he did in Colorado. He hasn't got the, I don't think, that supporting cast around him. Um, but yeah, I think, and there's also, I mean, it's not a hot take, but tanking is going to be the order of the day with the draft that's coming <laughs> up. The, we, we, the 2023 draft class has some real like prospects who are really, really highly considered. There's a few teams there. I think you know you can name a few: Seattle, Arizona, Arizona being the big one, obviously in there. Tiny ice rink, um, Arizona, Philadelphia, Chicago. There's a few teams there who are going to be looking to be as bad as possible to try and get one of those top top two or three guys in this year's draft who could be you know franchise changing McDavid level players. It's the Connor Bedard draft, isn't it? Connor Bedard, yeah, and Matt Vey and Mitch Goff as well. I think is in this draft, and he's the next, you know, big thing out of the KHL. Um, I guess that's the other question: is speaking of KHL and stuff, will Alex Ovechkin get? How much closer will Alex Ovechkin get to Wayne Gretzky's goal record this year? Is he gonna? Is he slowing down? Is he gonna have another big year with the? You know, I don't think you could ever say Alex Ovechkin is not going to be a goal scorer this week. 
he's going to snipe and he's going to snipe for fun. Yeah. But yeah, I think definitely it's going to... It's such a long season. You know, it's an 82-game season. There's so many twists and turns and, you know, injuries to key players can cause teams all sorts of issues. But yeah, I'm, I mean, it's always going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I'm excited too. I think I'm coming to it with tight, yeah. an unusual amount of optimism as a Leafs fan, but then I feel every year is unusually optimistic. And then, yeah... You get to the playoffs and remember why we're not, why we shouldn't have nice things. Hey, think about weird it is for me. I got to go in and defend something. Mm, yeah, like I say, um, I, I mean the ads have also laid down an enormous amount of money on Nathan McKinnon. Well deserved. Not yet though, not yet. No, for next year, for next year over the summer. That's the other big news story of the NHL this off season is. Nathan McKinnon has kind of he's got paid. He's got paid. He's deserved to get paid, and he's kind of set that market now for the guy for the guys who aren't Connor McDavid. Yeah, you've got Connor McDavid, and then you've got your McKinnon, Austin Matthews. Well, don't forget, Connor. McKinnon is now getting paid more than McDavid in a year. Exactly, you've reset the market, and you've got Matthews coming up to an up to his UFA year in I think the year after this. In two years' time, you've got. Um, McDavid himself is going to be coming up yeah. to a UFA year and um, obviously we forget that McDavid signed that contract as an RFA um, so, he, so Edmonton had team control over him and he's still got that massive contract so you know Matthews and McDavid are probably then going to reset the market again over the next two or three summers so yeah I think we're going into that era where the stars are getting paid let's hope the cap goes up otherwise we're going to have some Small teams. Yeah, we're going to have some really difficult conversations with players, and we're going to have. It's no, it's going to be. It's always going to be fun. Like the NHL is, it's it's great. It's great. I know most of our listeners probably have NHL teams that they they follow or watch. So hopefully your team has a good year. Or if you support the Arizona Coyotes or Chicago Blackhawks or Philadelphia Flyers, hopefully you get Colin Bernard next summer. <laughs> like. It's one of those things that, as a Leafs fan, I've been through that era. And as a Colorado Avalanche fan, you've been through that era. And if you can get that first overall pick, you know, things get better very quickly. As we've we both saw. been through some pretty tragic years. Yeah. Yeah, there's been some tough times. Um, 48-point season. Yeah. I was going to say, well, we had the years where we had the years where we, we were tanking for McDavid and didn't get him and then tanked for Matthews and got him. And we actually got more points the year we got Matthews, despite the fact we didn't come last. Like that David Eichel tank year was unreal. It but, happens. We set the yeah. worst year in history ever yeah. in the NHL. Missed the pick, well, missed the first round pick, the first number one pick, and mm. came out with some bloke called Kale McCarr. So exactly, ended up with the start with one of your starts. So you, it works. Yeah, exactly. Um, Although I'd like to point out, I'm not aware of us trying to tank that year. We were just atrocious. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I don't I think the Leafs the Leafs in certainly in those that you know Matthews year there was very definitely an acceptance of sell off the stars and start over. I think maybe not so much in the in the McDavid Eichel year. I think that was just again more we suddenly realised the team was bad and <laughs> things fell apart very quickly from there. Um, anyway, but yeah, I feel yeah. like we should wrap this one up. I was gonna say, we're I'm just sure we'll talk, about the NHL. We'll talk NHL many times for the rest of the season, and I'm sure there will be moments where we're both wincing and both cheering. Yes, um, there's just one left, one more thing to for you to do. 
and you please everybody, don't get this everybody, wrong. everybody turn off now because this is the worst bit of the uh, this is always the worst bit of the show. So it's a two-game weekend this weekend for the Swindon Wildcats, starting on Friday night in Bristol against the Pitbulls. I think it's a seven o'clock face-off. I want to say I haven't actually checked, but I'm pretty sure it's a seven o'clock face-off at Planet Ice Bristol. Um, yeah, it should be. It's an easy, it's a close away game, straight down the M4. Get, yeah, get yourself down to Bristol. I don't know if they're streaming yet or not. I know they've been doing a couple of test streams, but I don't know if they've actually got a stream going. But I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, not sure on that one. Um, but yeah, certainly tickets available. Um, obviously, Ben will be updating off the Wildcats account as ever as well if you're not able to make it and there is no stream. But yeah, hopefully we'll see a decent amount of Cats fans in, in Bristol. Um, despite the slight confusion myself included until about two weeks ago of whether there was actually a game <laughs> very odd very odd scenario that one but um yeah so seven o'clock friday against the pitbulls and then saturday our second game of the weekend the mk lightning's first game of the weekend as they come to the link center for a 6 30 face off all of the usual tickets streams etc available gonna see one of the league favorites in town playing this with the Wildcats. Um, absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely, it's going to be, and yeah, it's going to be a really, really, it's going to be a good night of hockey, I'm sure. Um, it's going to be a really tough game, but yeah. yeah. Why, you know, you, you've got to go out and beat those teams. If you want to, if the, if the Wildcats want to be competitive this year, they're going to have to go out and beat the Lightning. And if the Lightning want to go and t- contend for that title, they're going to have to come and beat us. So yeah, you're going to have two teams going at it. Yep, we absolutely are. It should be a good weekend. Um, thanks for sticking with this episode. I just hope you can hear it. Um, we'll be back soon. Enjoy your hockey. <laughs>